That's your t-shirt now, don't I? This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. All right. Brooke Anders. Yep. How do you take your coffee? Black. Cold usually. or hot? Uh, preferably, I like hot in the morning. Okay. And iced coffee. Uh, plus, it's, you know, St. George right now is 105. So... I'll have one cup of black coffee in the morning if I'm up early enough. But if I'm past that point of, I guess, starting to get hot outside, the house is starting to get heated, I yep. want it on ice. Okay. Yeah. One cup of coffee a day. That's it? Mm, one or two. Okay. I used to drink a lot more. Like movie things? Yeah. Well, before. Okay. So, I mean, I love coffee. Yeah. I've never, I've never drank it for caffeine. Like, people are like, oh, I need a, I need a coffee. Mm. I just really enjoy the, I love well, good coffee. I love the taste. I love the whole activity around it. I think that it's very relaxing or it can feel like you take a pause in your day, even like in time when you just stop and go get a coffee. Relax. You can kind of like check everything at the door. Like for some people, that's yeah. the gym. For me, not the gym when it's your, it's been your job. Right. So I love going to get coffee or just taking a break. But after, right before I went and did Wonder Woman, I was drinking I loved waking up early and make a pot of coffee and probably drink the whole pot. Maybe go and get an afternoon coffee with friends after we worked out. And I went to, we were in Italy shooting on site. For? Uh, for Wonder Woman. Okay. And we were drinking a lot of coffee. So when we were sitting in full kit, we'd be out there, you know, I don't know, 8 a.m. till 5 if not before that, you're in a makeup chair at six o'clock in the morning is how we were doing it almost mm. every day. They may not even use you. So you get, I can't work out. <laughs> I'm in full, <laughs> full kit and they have like food and coffee, right? So I'm trying to not be eating the food that they have available for you because it was garbage. Right. So when you, you know, you're bored, you, you'd have a coffee and it's all espresso, really, really dark. And I swear to you, I'm like, I came home and I felt like my stomach, I, my stomach couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Just from drinking too much of, you know, Italian coffee, I guess. I went to work for a company once where there's coffee readily available and I might've abused it a lot here for a short period of time. And I was like, you know what? Morning, afternoon, cutoff time, that's it. So I had yep. to rein it back in. I understand. Yeah. I walked in downstairs and you asked if I wanted, you know, anything to drink. And I thought like, oh, I could smell the coffee. Oh my God, smells. So good. Sounds really good. I'm here. And I looked at the time and I'm like, no, I can't mm -hmm. do it. I've been trying to, I don't sleep that great. So, you know. I'm aware. Cutting the caffeine. I'm, yep. Same. Same. I have to cut it off a certain time of day. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise I'm thinking, why can't I sleep? I'm like, you're an idiot. And you had a cup of coffee at five o'clock. I went through one of those phases when I was training for powerlifting and <clears throat> John Wilburn was like, here's the, he did all my programming. He's like, here's the pre-workout I want you to drink. So it was a double shot of espresso. One scoop of branched chain amino acids uh, and a scoop of whey protein in ice. And you drink half of it before you worked out, and then you drink the rest was intra-workout. And, uh, like, this is when I lived in, in Seattle, and, like, we were training at CrossFace Marysville at, like, f 5 in the afternoon. And I was like, man, I cannot sleep at night to save my <laughs> life. And then, like, all of a sudden, it just dawned on me. I was like, I'm an idiot. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I'd be, find myself sitting there staring at like my computer at like one thirty in the morning. I was like, like how, what's this? This is my fault. I know what this is now. So, but um, anyway, so where did you grow up? Uh, Southern Utah, St. George. St. George. Okay. Mm -hmm. Any sports in high school? Yeah. Well, I mostly danced in high school, but I guess all grown up, you know, I played soccer 
Um, and then I played softball. When I played softball, I did gymnastics. I swam on the swim team and I danced. And then as I got older, all those things take more time. So over time, my mom started taking me out of the things that clearly weren't, I guess I wasn't giving my 100, 100% effort. So over time, I just started weeding out the, I guess the extracurriculars that weren't going to be something I wanted to do for a long time. And then I ended up just dancing. So through high school, um, I think my, the last year I played softball was ninth grade. And then I stopped playing after that because I just couldn't, I, I couldn't make it to all of the practices. So I didn't enjoy getting, not being able to play because mm-hmm. I wasn't practicing. So you, I just stopped. Do you have siblings? Mm-hmm. I'm the youngest of four. So there's a lot of running around for mom too. Oh yeah, it was when the I, week. yeah when I was growing up. My yeah. and we were all very busy. My brother, um, you know, football, wrestling, weightlifting. My sister, uh, swimming, and then weightlifting when she was younger. And then my other sister was swimming, and she played softball, but she quit earlier on. My mom played. My aunt was an incredible softball player. And my cousin, I mean, Southern Utah though, now you're seeing some more summer sports. Like soccer's always been, you know, a big summer sport, but it's in the past maybe 10 years has really become very, very popular among all of like the different age groups down in Southern Utah. Mm -hmm. And my sister's kids, all of them play soccer, but I played softball. Um, My sister swam. I swam um, when I was younger but I didn't take it as serious as them. I wasn't as competitive, especially within like practice, like the time you have to put in, you know, obviously training. Um, I wasn't yeah, as interested. Swimming is brutal. Oh yeah. It's brutal. My sister swam on the junior Olympic team and oh. when she was in high school and they went over and competed in Ukraine. Oh wow. No, was it Ukraine? Uh, yes. Somewhere. One of those places. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you danced in high school. Yes. What about after high school? Um, I went to the University of Utah and I was a modern dance major. Okay. I did that for a couple of years. And then um, when the economy was like 2008. when it started. Yeah, I was right there. That, yeah. I, ch- I changed my major just because, I mean, I enjoy dancing. I love it. I do it because I love it. There's no money in it. There's no like longevity. And I had no interest in owning a studio or teaching. I just wanted to do it. Wanted to, my big thing is like, I grew up singing and dancing. I used to sing at the rodeo. I sang the national anthem for all my siblings. Like they're that. all older. So every yeah. wrestling tournament, every football That's game, cool. um, I wanted to do Broadway and dance and sing, but I loved uh, sports too. I love being athletic and my family have always done a big in the outdoors. So, you know, boating, wakeboarding, hiking, um, hunting, camping, all that. And then of course, Anything the boys were doing, I wanted to do it. You got to hang. Yeah. What did you switch your major to? I went into just mass communications, and then I did not graduate. I moved to California, um, decided I was— What what year was that? I moved to California in 2012, Okay, I want to say. Yeah. And I went out there, and I lived there for a year before I even decided that I was going to try and, you know— follow a training program to compete in the games. Prior to me moving there in 2012, I had, I guess really without getting into details, I started doing um, CrossFit at Ute CrossFit with Tommy Hackenbrook. And I was on the team and our team qualified. That was last year they had sectionals. So the last year they did sectionals, which I think was 2011 or 2010. 2010. 2010. Um, 
qualified. I did not compete at the games that year. And then shortly after moved to California and was just doing CrossFit and training. But I was, went with my boyfriend at the time and just trying to find a job. I, my first job living out there, I was washing towels at a hair salon. That was my first job. That sounds wonderful. And slowly that, I mean, over time, I then started, I mean, I was training all the time and I had never really had interest in being a coach, but a lot of that comes from prior to CrossFit, um, getting into more weightlifting and just like conventional training. I just had no interest in being a personal trainer, which I think being a CrossFit coach is just so much different than being a personal trainer. And I think, um, probably a big part of that is the community aspect. And, you know, you kind of, as a CrossFit coach, and I, I, I can't speak for all of them and there are a lot and there are good ones and there are, bar- there are terrible ones. Right. So I'm talking about the good ones. <coughs> they really do continue their education and then encompass so many things. Like they're, they're helping you with personal life shit. Um, you know, you, you become like a, a therapist, but you're also doing nutrition. You're doing training, you're doing mobility. You're being able to help them with so much more that I think that I hadn't experienced, um, I guess, being around personal trainers when I was younger, when I was in college that were encompassing all of those things. And, uh, I just, it didn't, it didn't interest me as much. Plus when you went to gold's gym back then, it was like, as soon as you walked through the door, it was all about the cell. It was not about progress. Right. You know, it didn't mean that that you didn't care about progress. You did, but the most important thing was we need to get them to buy and I, I was like, I'm not a salesperson. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to try and sell people on it. And so I kind of gave up the idea of coaching. And then when I was living in California, I was just so sick of trying to find a job and what was available out there. And I kind of decided, I started working at a coffee shop. I also fell in love with coffee out there. Being a barista, I could do that nice. for sure. But I started coaching. So I did my, you know, took my L1. I started coaching at a gym. And What gym was it? I was at... Um, Oh my gosh. We can circle back. We'll have to circle back because there's so it was not CrossFit Santa Cruz. It's um West? CrossFit West. CrossFit West, yeah. yeah. West Santa Cruz. <clears throat> yeah. CrossFit West. Also known as CrossFit West, yeah. Yes. I love it. <laughs> Baker knows this because Baker I have known <coughs> for a very long time. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. Tommy Hackenbrook. So at the time, all this is going the last year's sectionals was 2011. Um at the time, um, I was in New York. And we had started a drink company called Kill Club. Mm-hmm. And so Tommy Hackenbrook was on our advisory board. And he's like, we were looking for, <clears throat> this is um, during a time when social media, when like in- influencers were super important mm-hmm. and it, they worked and it was a, a great tool to have. Um, and he was like, yeah, he's like, I've got this young girl. She's, she's, she's relatively new. She's rough. She needs some more coaching because you were unrefined mm-hmm. at the time. Um, we should talk to her. And at the time, SFH, which was out of California, was giving you like some free protein. Yeah, and we were like, protein. yeah, we, you know, he's like, Let, let's see her. And he shows like, yeah, she's great. So we were like, I, Killcliffe at the time was your first paid sponsorship. Yes. And um, so <clears throat> I remember 2000 and regionals and sectionals and then regionals and then you made it to the games. Mm-hmm. And also I've been a part of her journey directly or indirectly since the very beginning. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Um, Competed, remember the, uh, what was it the okay, so Battle, Battle of the Benchmarks yes, in Oklahoma yes. City? She picked her up at the airport and she was like, I don't know, you were n- not feeling well or you were hungover or something. Uh, I was hungover, probably just 
Not you walked into the gym and just sick. laid on the floor. You're like, ugh. So, yeah, I've seen the best and the worst of Brooke Kent. So, yeah, so we've, we've got quite the history. But um, when you, you, you're on Ute's team with mm-hmm. Tommy, and Tommy Hackenbrook um, started CrossFit, Ute CrossFit, yep. and he played linebacker at um, University of Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year was when Urban Meyer was coach. They went undefeated and won the Fiesta Bowl. Great guy, super knowledgeable. Awesome, awesome guy. And that's how we became friends was through Tommy. Yep. <clears throat> and then, uh, so what, what year did you qualify uh, for, for the, the games? games? Yeah. 2015. What 2014 regionals? So 2014 was my first year competing individual. Right. I started working with uh, Killcliffe when I was doing team with U CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And then um, I... Prepped for 2014. So I was watching the CrossFit Games 2013. And, you know, at this point, I mean, I've done CrossFit. I've done it as team competition, just never done it as an individual. And in my mind, I've just moved. I mean, I was in Utah. I was in Salt Lake. So I was right here. I trained with Tommy. My gym was right there. And that's who I trained with. So when I moved, it was like, you know, what? I'm, I'm just going to stay fit and work out. And I didn't really know anybody out there. And watching the games in 2013, they crushed it. That was the year when the last, the final event for team was all the girls yeah, and Tommy and, went 150 wall balls unbroken. And, and uh, was it uh, was Con- George Conway? Yeah, Adrian Conway. Adrian Conway was standing there. So it was uh, you had <clears throat> Mike Cashew, three, three targets side by side, and each one you had to do 50 wall balls on this one, and then you moved to this target, and then you moved to this target. Then Tommy started the 50, and he did all 50. And and then he did the next 50, and Adrian Conway's like standing there, like whenever you're ready to let me sub in. And Tommy did all 50 unbroken. It was pretty awesome. And they had, I mean, they had just absolutely dominated. Oh, yeah. That, no, they, that year. They were an incredible team. Yeah. That, and that was like the first super team. Mm-hmm. And then you had this whole thing started where like they kind of loosened the rules. And like some of those people were driving like three hours to train with the team because there was like you had to make like, like uh, mandatory like attendance requirements and stuff mm-hmm. in the gym. And there was all that flub about that, people losing their minds. <clears throat> um, when you started CrossFit, coming from a dancing background, like what were your strengths and weaknesses? Like what was easy for you? What was hard? Because ultimately you were strong as shit. Like I remember when you, what did you clean at the games on that ladder? You uh, ran the ladder. Two, yeah, 232. Yeah, and you won, I think you won that event. Yeah. I won that event and, and the snatch ladder. And what, what were your strengths and weaknesses coming from dance? Like w- when you started? Hmm. Well, I guess like uh, a weakness for me was just gaining um, skill, like gymnastic skills. Yeah. Um, I would, I always thought the, my worst two movements, especially when I was back then, ring dips for volume, mm. for capacity. Right. And That's because females' and, and, triceps are, are generally weaker. That's probably one of the weakest muscles in a female is her triceps. I mean, mine were weak. I mean, still are. Well, it's funny if you think technique. about it. You need the technique. <laughs> no, but it's funny. So gymnastics um, is... With, as it applies to CrossFit, gymnastics is a skill that gymnasts spend their life learning. Yep. And in CrossFit, doing a muscle up, some, I think uh, Jeff Tucker put it into perspective. So you start on the bottom of the rings and you pull up here. That is how you start a gymnastics competition. Mm-hmm. You get no points for that. That's like walking up to the starting line. But in CrossFit, it's like, oh, back in the day, it's like, oh, this guy's got, she's got muscle ups. Holy shit. Like, this is super impressive. Well, how long did you do gymnastics? When you were younger. When I was young? Yeah. Um, just for 
a few years, a couple I, years. I still think that like during the developmental phase as young humans. Oh no, we, 100%. Yeah. When you meet somebody that did gymnastics, even if it was for a brief period of time or the full thing, they are strong for the rest of their life in a way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whether it's the, the impact on the joints or whatever your movements were or sport, you know, it is, portion. it is, gymnastics is brutal on the body. Like the training that the competitive gymnasts, youth competitive gymnasts do is it's savage. Yeah. I've always, I've always thought that like, um, athletes that can become like in CrossFit. So competitors that are some of the most ruthless competitors came from a gymnastics or a wrestling background. I used to say that all the time because wrestlers are fucking crazy. And that's the thing about CrossFit. Like you can be, an incredible athlete, very strong, skilled, everything. But if you can't compete, it's just, it's a mindset thing. Like there's people that, and friends of mine that I've known too in the past, but like if you show up to competition day and something goes wrong and you don't have just like the like mental fortitude Absolutely. to like stay in it, you let yourself, you know, question it for a second or get a little upset and not be able to get back to where you need to be mentally. I mean, Everything is like seconds. People are seconds from just, you know, going to the top of the leaderboard or the bottom of the leaderboard. Yeah. Well, and I think in both of those disciplines, you know, the, the training is intense, right? Yeah. I've known gymnasts. I wrestled as a kid. Not, I wasn't good, but the other wrestlers that did, they become hardened humans. And some of that is mentally. Mm-hmm. And when you make a mistake, it's coming back, I think, is the biggest thing. You know, when you have a little blip or you're like, fuck, and you're looking for a tenth of a second— it's continuing to push and stick in, you know, mm-hmm. sticking in the head game. Yeah. So if you look at the the male side of <clears throat> CrossFit, mm-hmm. the competitive side of it, the the there are no top level collegiate or professional athletes. There's no like Tommy Hackenbrook. I think by far it was the most accomplished collegiate athlete, and he was the anomaly for yeah, a long time because like six, his size. Four. And then Spencer uh, Spencer Hendel. Yep, so Spencer Same was thing. a they baseball were, player. But, yeah. and, and they were like the two guys that... And Asia Bartow. Another, and Asia, yeah. yeah. Incredible athletes and really tall. So as time went on, you start to notice, and people, you could definitely look and think about it now, but the programming plays a huge role. But a CrossFitter that you... Mm, they all tend to look the same. The people that are the best. They're the, roughly the same height. Five, nine, they're, one, eighty-five. They're, they're roughly <laughs> the same weight. They're roughly the same width. Shoulders, legs, everything. They're optimized for the sport, in a way. Well, they're generalists. They're good at everything, great at nothing. That's the goal. And most of them uh, played like a D2 or a D3 sport in college. And it wasn't because they were super athletic. It's just because they were a student of the game and they knew what was going on and they just wouldn't quit. And they, they gave a maximum effort at all times. So that's that was one of the things like, though on the women's side, it was a little bit different. Um, give me some, some leeway that those listening, um, <clears throat> male sports, I would say at the collegiate level and professional level are far advanced and more established than women. So like the women's soccer team, like women, soccer in America for females is generally is really, it's pretty new, like 20 years, whereas males is been going on since the beginning of time. Um, now there were a ton of accomplished female athletes. There was a, a, a good many like former professional female mm-hmm. athletes, but on the male side, it was guys that I would describe as overachievers, wouldn't quit and just bullheaded. And like, they let like little things didn't wreck them. Mm-hmm. They didn't, didn't ruin them, but like they were, you know, good at everything, great at nothing. 
when you see the outlift a runner, outrun a lifter. That's basically what they were. When you see younger folks coming up now, currently in the sport, are they coming from a background of sports? Or are they coming from I'm going to train to do CrossFit? They are coming from I'm going to train to do CrossFit, yeah. which I think is a huge mistake. Yep. And a lot of people probably would hate to hear me say that. No, I agree no, with you. But 100%. I've actually I've actually been saying that to parents since I was coaching. So mm-hmm. now I I mean to be completely honest with you, I don't I don't pay attention to it at all. I don't watch it. I don't pay. I don't follow people that are competing. I don't know who's competing. I don't know who the new. I know who few, some of the up and comers are because. On social media and people I follow, I do see, you know, who podiumed or who's going to the games, but I just really don't give a shit. And it's not because I don't love the sport. It's because I'm not doing it. Um, and there's a level of burnout. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So like, I, when I was coaching and when I was like more competing and when I went to the games, right before I went to the games, I stopped coaching because I was in my mind. I wasn't the best coach I could be because I was tired. I was training so much every day. And also if I was gone, I constantly had to have someone cover my classes. So I'm like, well, I'm the annoying person. Mm-hmm. It's gone all the time. So at that point I stopped coaching for the most part, but I was there a lot. And I would have parents, we had young girls and boys in our at our gym that were there because the parents trained. So the kids started coming and they were coming to class and I loved it. I'd have a class where I'm coaching. I got parents, I got kids and well, not, to toot, not to toot my own horn, but that's what makes a good coach. It doesn't take a lot. You're adjusting here, adjusting here, mm-hmm. and you make it work for everybody. But I would have parents come up and be like, what do we got to do? Like, what do, we, what do we do for her? And I said, look at the whiteboard. There's no, there's no magic programming, okay? If you can't, I'm like, if she's not doing that workout and getting the fastest time, lifting the most weight, Every time, why do we need to change anything? You know, as far as because at the time too, you had people that are barely regional level athletes. Those of you guys who are just you are just getting into CrossFit, we don't have regionals anymore. So yeah, the whole landscape changed. Dating, dating yeah. myself, but you had people that were never. I mean, on, the, on reasons, their best day, oh, on their best day, or not a regional. Old old regional was sixty went sixty yes. athletes, male female, like on their best day. But that was one of the things that made the community great was you had people. My absolute favorite thing about it was regional. Yeah, I you, loved going to regional Yeah, You had people that their goal in life, guys that played a sport or girls that played a sport in high school, maybe didn't give it their all, maybe didn't have the discipline or the focus or they weren't mentally mature enough to, you know, really focus on what they're doing. And it's like, this is, I got another bite of the apple here. I got another chance for greatness. Mm. And, and that's what, all they wanted was just to make it to regionals. And what I loved about that is because you have people coming into the sport that have a life, their moms, dads, they have a job, you know? So when you have, when real life's going on for 99% of the people out there, you don't have time to put do two a days and put all this extra time and effort into every single detail, you know? And I think that was what I miss about, and I'm sure, um, you know, a lot of these qualifying, you know, local competitions or things like that could still offer this. But for me, just through what I experienced and things I went to, I really loved regionals for the, for the reason of it gave that competition to people that will, they'll, you know, they would probably love to be able to take it all the way or go all the way, but because of a lot of factors in their life, that would never off, that would never happen. There's no way. And they can still though, put in time, effort, train, be strong, be healthy, you know, 
be a, be a mom, be a dad or work at their, you know, go to their job or be a CEO or whatever, and still go to regionals. And that competition in and of itself was like a mini games. I mean, that was the stage for so many people. And it wasn't just for the people competing. It was for the people spectating. I mean, it was like once regionals started, it was the season was people were pumped. Yeah. And like you, you'd, you'd have 200, 100, 200, 300 people showing up to cheer on members of their gym. And what it really did, it was kind of brilliant, was it created a culture and a community. And there's, I say this all the time, you have to have two things to be successful. You have to have a culture and you have to have community. So CrossFit adopted the fitness culture. And then with the individual gyms, they created communities. And that's what you were referring to Mm -hmm. earlier. I mean, I've been to multiple CrossFit gyms. You can tell by the programming pretty quick. You're like, mm, high volume, jerking, twisting motion. Mm-hmm. Not for me, but, you know, warm up, core lift, you know, cool down, mm-hmm. all the things, mobility days. You're like, all right, this is awesome. And then you fall into a community. When you're referring to kids, I used one in Colorado. At one point, my daughter included, was one of like four car seat deals you know, hanging out mm-hmm. on yeah. the sidelines and somebody would start crying and the coach would be like, yeah, no, I got it. Oh yeah. Rock the thing. I yeah. definitely coached classes with a baby on my, on my little chest. Bjorn. Yeah, oh yeah. With the Bjorn yeah, coaching yeah. class, the mom, you know, it's coming back from having a kid. Can yeah. take class. And it's awesome. And, and I think they but, called uh, it. I, well. I think I took you off subject. We were talking about, I was gonna say about we were talking kids. about kids. And so you have like the, the answer to like, you have parents like, oh, I want, to, so you'll have girls that are, you know, 10, 12, 11, 13, 14, 15, 16, they see Brooke. Mm-hmm. Brooke is gorgeous. Brooke has a great figure. She's a good looking girl. Thanks. You have sure. girls that want to look like that. And that's a good thing. Because mm-hmm. like, I'd, I'd rather listen to people dork out about working out than dork out about getting blackout drunk. Okay. I think it's, it's, it's a Fair. better alternative. Mm-hmm. And it, CrossFit, what, the answer to that is, what should my child do? Your child should go play multiple this, sports. Yeah, this is what I told all parents. Absolutely. Get involved in activities yes. and this, play sports. This, go play soccer. Go play track. Run cross exactly. country. Because, because for me, I mean, I can understand why we've got, or we as if I'm still competing, how they've gotten to this place where now you've had so many kids that have just been, they've grown up in a CrossFit gym, right? They were coming in their car seat because mm-hmm. mom and dad were training. And then they, then as they got older, they were doing the kids class. They're doing all those things and they see these amazing, you know, women and men and they want to do that. And I totally get it. And I think it's, I think it's incredible. I mean, one of my favorite things about CrossFit is I really, truly feel like it on its own was able to change um, opinions or perceptions of, of women that are strong. Agreed. At, you that know, in conjunction with that, that same time and without event, having social to, media. without having to say it, mm-hmm. you know, you just knew it. I mean, that's what I loved about even when I was coaching. Cause like, I've always been very built genetically big arms. Right. And I've danced. And when I was dancing, it's like, I knew, I knew all of the dance companies I could never dance for because of how I looked. They would describe you as fat. Yes. And, and I was just too, I was too much muscle. Right. And I knew the ones that I could dance for. Um, but in training, like in, in CrossFit compared to, let's say like, uh, like bodybuilding, right. It's not, it's not a objective in a way where it's like, we don't look at a person that comes into the gym and immediately start, you know, critiquing. Well, some people do, but like critiquing things based off of like, what's their performance based off what they look like. Like it really is put up or shut up. Mm-hmm. And when a, when a female and a mom, I think it's so amazing that you have moms coming in and they're showing their kids, boys, girls, um, 
what it is they can do. And you, if you have like a husband or a partner that's right there supporting you doing that too, that is how we make positive change. It's not by continuing to try and tell people like, uh, you know, strong is beautiful. Cause that whole movement, like the strong is beautiful. I was, that was going on when I was overdoing Wonder Woman. And I was like, <laughs> that's bullshit. Actually, you know, uh, even being over there, it's like, I was, oh man, I'm going to be very honest. Send it. Uh, <laughs> That's what we're here Sometimes for. Sometimes I get myself in trouble. Yeah, that's um, no, because I'm going to do a good job of getting me in trouble. I'm going to say some stuff that you want to say. I promise you, get your stuff off your chest. I'm going to bring it home for us. <laughs> yep. Oh, there was, I will just, I will tell a very, a story um, that was a very hard thing for me to endure when I was over doing the movie. Um, I will say, so I was one of like five girls, which there, I still all talk to, I talk to all of them that we were cast Amazons and all of us were kind of, kind of taken out of different industries that were some sort of sport or athletics. You know, like my friend Madeline, she was a Thai boxer. She's from Sweden. I mean, you know, my friend Harry, who's uh, actually a, um, a detective uh, in Wales. She's from Wales. You know, we've got a lot of different people that we, we were like kind of the core cast Amazons. And then all the other ones were extras, right? Just for bodies. I was very, and Harry, she was very built. I mean, between her and I, we were the, the, we were for sure the two biggest strong um, built women on set. But I found out, you know, when we were on our charter flight to Italy, I found out that there was just basically, including the... (laughs) Fuck it. Including the uh, director of the film um, talking about how I was on steroids. Ooh. And, you know, it's it's like for me out there, I didn't, I mean, I'm very, I am so grateful for the opportunity that I had. And like, I always wanted to perform. And when I got the phone call to go audition for uh, with one, Warner Brothers, I was like, no way. There's no way they're trying to call me. Why? I don't, I've never done, I've done musical theater. I've sang and danced and done musical theater, but I've never done acting. Um, I can get into the story of how they called me in the first place, but I got a phone call. I did, I almost said no to doing the movie because I was really, I was, once I found out they filmed in the UK and they didn't film in LA, because in my mind, I was like, oh yeah. I'm here. In LA, can go train at some of the gyms, go see some people that I know. no. And, and I almost said no, because I was, it really disrupted my year. Right. And at this point it's like, that's what I trained for. That's who I was. I was, I had gone through some ups and downs and like, I really, it was so much of my identity to be a, a games athlete, which I, I worked through that later on. Um, cause that should not have been the case that that was my only identity, but on the airplane, I've like, you know, been out there for a very long time at this point and we're going to Italy. And as we're getting there, it's like, just to hear, you know, like I'm on this, like there's women everywhere. Like, so you on, on the magazines and the articles and like all these like big titles, it's like female and strong is beautiful and Amazons. And I'm over there being like, cause I'm so strong. I've got a whole group of people just talking shit about me. Because I look so much different than everybody else. And so I really had a really, really hard time. Lucky for me, though, my best friend, Gina Chancherulo, was with me at the time. So she had just gone through a divorce and she came out and stayed a week with me the last week we were in the UK. And then 
a week in Italy for that first week I was there. So as I was kind of working through some, you know, not so positive thoughts, she was there to really help me kind of like, it, it doesn't matter. And, it, you know, at that point, I had already heard all kinds of stuff online, on, you know, comments and they just trolls. Like I wasn't, it wasn't new, but it just sucked because it's like, I'm, I'm behind the curtain right now. And that's what I realized, you know? And I remember after Wonder Woman, I was like, I'm never doing this again. I am never doing it again. And it wasn't until I was flying back out for the Justice League, which one, I was working with Zack Snyder. He is incredible. And I'm actually going to work with him in a few weeks from now. Um, and that was who I was working with. And he, he completely changed my perspective on the whole, on that sort of on doing a movie. Um, what it made me realize, which I just hadn't thought about it because I was probably so emotionally charged about the experience that I had had, was I kind of lumped it all into one category that it's all like that. But what I realized when we're, I worked with Zach is it's not all like that. I mean, his production team was incredible. Um, not only did he and his whole team exercise with each other every morning, they'd be leaving the gym when I'd be getting there in the morning to go work out. It just, it created a camaraderie or a community on set that was health focused. And well, it's surrounded by like-minded people. Yeah. And Working I had, for like-minded people. The steroid thing has always tickled me to death. Which is funny. In CrossFit. So. However, I will say, I don't know. Because I don't know, but I do feel like if there, if that was an issue or more of an issue, it's probably happening now. Steroids? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You throw that much money. You throw that that much money. But (laughs) the the thing that the problem I have with that stuff, like, you know, like Matt Frazier, who's a very close friend of mine, like Matt's been accused of of being on steroids. It's like, Matt doesn't look like he's on steroids. Exactly. It's like, why is he the same size then as he's been? Same muscle size, same weight, same size for years. The thing with steroids... Steroids give you a curve on a test. That's all it is. Um, <clears throat> they're not going to turn a high school, you know, athlete into you know a D one starter. They're not going to take a guy that made it. It was good enough to get to college. They're not going to get him drafted. No. Um, all steroids do, and this this is one of the things that like really pisses me off when like people that don't work out or they go to the gold's gym and do curls and shit and sit around and take pictures. And they accuse people of being on steroids. It's like, number one, you fat ass, you've never worked hard a day in your life. All right. So you don't know what it takes to get here. You think that he works the same, he puts out the same amount of work that you do, but he takes steroids and it's basically just a reflection of them being a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. So steroids allow you to work, put in more work. That's it. Your muscles heal faster. They don't just make you bigger. They don't make you stronger. They don't make you run faster. You have to bust your ass. Also, steroids, like anabolic steroids and stuff, aren't necessarily something that a games athlete is going to want to take. No. And every year they drug test people, and and I will be the first to say that drug tests are incredibly easy to pass, but they publish a list of people that fail the drug test. And it's normally like it back in the day when it was 60 male, 60 women, it was the lower like Barely level. Any. And the funniest thing I ever saw was there was some chick from Europe that popped hot taking DECA, Ooh, which okay. is an oil-based European steroid that like the West Germans used to take mm-hmm. or the East Germans used to take. Um, and like just the whole steroid thing just really irritates the shit out of me. Like you get this big, 
by working out that hard. And that's one of the things about CrossFit that that is pretty cool is that it's open source. Mm-hmm. So like in your peak, everyone knew what you were doing. You were mm-hmm. posting your workouts online. You're posting clips and videos of you working out. And like you said, you quit coaching and, and these, they don't really have time to do anything. They're training. When you were games, getting ready for the games, you were training what, two, three times a day? Mm-hmm. Minimum two times a day. Yeah. And even on their off days, you were doing some form of active recovery. two times a day. And yeah. It, um, Maybe some weightlifting in there too. Yep. It's an Olympic lifting. See, I, th- I think that going back to the wrestler statement, right? They're crazy. They're built for it. It's a mental thing. Those sitting on the couch or Cheeto fingers typing, you know, hating because you're in the limelight. They want to find an excuse because they don't have the mentality that would ever l- allow them to arrive at that place right. of fitness or physique or ability or anything. Yeah. So it's a, it's a mindset. No, definitely. Also. Well, and then also there's a, there's a huge like genetic footprint and a, there's a biological passport that are involved in that. And it's like, you know, there's people, I'm, for those listening, I'm five foot 10, 235 pounds, pretty strong dude. Um, and people are like, man, like, like, how do I, like, how do I get that big? And it's like, bro, I'm 45 and this is genetics. Like, or people will make a comment about like my calves. And I feel like a cheese ball saying that it's like, you do it's, have nice calves, it's, but it's genetic. I've <laughs> yeah. never done a calf raise in my life. Now my brother's, I'm 5'10", Mitchell's 5'11", and Mitchell weighs 175 pounds. My brother's super wiry. I will out sprint my brother and it's not even close, which is irrelevant at this stage in life. However, my brother will smoke my ass in a 5K or a mile or any form of of distance stuff. So people need to take into consideration, like, what is the person's like genetic makeup? Like, it's like John Welburn. John Welburn played in the NFL for 10 years. He's Mm -hmm. six foot five, 315 pounds, and he's ripped. Like, Hey man, how do I look like you? That's never going to happen. Not I'm not getting happen. taller. I can't get tall. Now, if there was a story that would make you taller, I would take it. Absolutely. That, without question. Yeah, if there sure. was one that would make my calves grow, I would take that one too. But it's just genetics. Like there's there's a genetic thing. Like there are people that can run fast. There are people that can run distance longer. There's people with high VO2 maxes. There's people oh, with low sure. VO2 maxes. My, like, my 23 and me, on one of the things it, t- it says, it says, I am predisposed to have muscle mass that of an Olympic athlete. Oh, shit. Which Olympic sport? It didn't say. We need to look into that. Yeah, we didn't say. Email but them. I will say it's like, you know, I mean, the thing is, is like no one can really surprise me with a comment or a mean comment. I, it's, I, in fact, when I get when people get creative, like they insult me in a creative way, I enjoy it. It's like, okay, yeah, something new. So you never got to the point where you just stopped looking at the comments. <laughs> no, I did. I don't read comments I've, now anymore. I've heard that. Like, which is tough because then it's nowadays it's like, well, you need to read. You have to comment back. You need engagement, and that's the thing too. It's for me is like a, I there are people obviously that are still competing and still doing, you know, very active on social media. And I am trying to be active on social media. I'm on there, but I'm, for me, it's like, because I don't compete anymore. This is what I've realized. Like, because I don't compete, um, it is so much harder. Can we start over? I gained my platform because of just naturally. I focused on competition. I wanted to be better. I like being good at things. I've always played sports. I've always danced. And then just naturally, it just organically grew. I mean, I've been to CrossFit Games one time and it took a while before a lot of the girls that have been multiple times and still going even had the following close to what I had on social media. And that's, I don't know what I, if I was doing anything different, but I do know that I've been doing it for a long time. And so now when I look at like, how was it easier for me to that's be the, so I can active? Answer. That's an easy and it's answer. Because 
when I was in a gym 24 seven, when I was traveling, when I was compete training with people, it was so much easier to just get content. Plus almost everywhere we were, there were cameras, people taking pictures, people taking videos. People and talking now it's and posting, like, yeah. I need to make my own content. I mean, oh Ooh. my God. So I, I would say the reason that your following grew was because like guys wanted to be with you, girls wanted to look like you. Like even at your peak, the most muscular you ever were, you were still incredibly feminine. You're a girl, you're blonde, you're good looking. Like uh, there are some people that are predisposed to put on insane amounts of mass. Your mass is carried very proportionally throughout your body. So, like, it's, 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 are you willing to maximize your potential and not give a shit about the vanity? Mm -hmm. Because there's people that like, oh my God, I'm getting too big. It's like, well, hey man, like your body's like saying, feed me like this, this is what I'm good at. And and people, if you, if we walked into a gym, if like say Trevor and I walked into a gym and it's like, all right, Baker, you're going to create a workout and Trevor, you're going to create a workout. I guarantee you one thing. Those workouts are going to be completely and totally different. Drastically different. Because the first thing I'm putting on the workout, the buy-in, is going to be something he can't do, which is going to be deadlift 550 or something. something. Heavy. <laughs> like, I'm going to, like, hey, you can't start till you do my buy-in. Like, but I, I think that, you know, uh, you alluded to something. I, I, I need to get this off my chest. Okay. Um, I owe a lot of where I am in life. To CrossFit. So in 2000, in December of 2010, I started a CrossFit apparel company called Tupood, mm-hmm. which I sold, I think, three or four years ago. Did, did great. It's great. Started with like $17,000. Uh, Tony would say it was less than that, but like we sold it for a good bit of money. Um, and that was December 2010. January 2011, we started a drink company called Killcliffe. And I did that for, let's say, seven, eight years. And like, Brooke and I and a lot of other people timed the CrossFit space perfectly. We were in that space when it was the best that it ever will be. It was good. It was awesome. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. The community and the culture were amazing. And as it grew, and this is going to be kind of like a, I learned some stuff through my involvement with CrossFit that when you start a company like Greg Glassman, I like Greg. I am grateful for what Greg did. But you take a guy that starts something and takes it to over $100 million in revenue. He was not capable of running that company at that level. That his, his skill set was far surpassed once they probably crossed $40 million. But he wouldn't let go of control. And he surrounded himself with yes-men and people, some of the most mean-spirited assholes uh, that I've ever interacted with. And they were yes-men. And then things started to change. They started to make stupid changes and decisions. And they literally sucked all the sugar out of the Kool-Aid. So... I watched CrossFit go from nothing to awesome, and then I watched a meteoric fall and well, that's crash. Why, that's why I, I actually stopped competing. So I, I did, I had a cervical fusion, so I have a plate and four screws in my neck. So, which is oh, funny, okay. yes. and I saw that, and I was like, I sent you a text, and I was like, I'm sorry, where are you going? You said, I'm going to Stanford. This yeah. is you in Santa Cruz. Or, yep. Yeah, and I was like, where are you and going? And it was quick because— It was like that day. Yeah, because I had— I got my scans and it was when my, my chiropractor read them 
um, the day it was like this, the day after the first event had been announced. Cause I actually ended up, we won't need to go into the whole story as to a lot of people might think like, well, why do you get a check sooner? Well, you know, for many good reasons, um, fear of the unknown. Eh, I'm well, fine. Really, yeah, it was yeah. just like, yeah, I never did anything that actually made me think, oh, I got, I'm injured. Didn't <clears> fall, didn't trip, didn't drop a bar, nothing. I woke up, I was home for Christmas, woke up, started to lock up and I was in a lot of pain. And then I was seeing a chiropractor. This is where it could, is potentially scary. I was being adjusted uh, like, you know, f- mm. five days a week and popping my neck. And I was still having so much pain. All the pain was down my arm. None of it was in my neck. I didn't do anything. Remember, I didn't do a handstand push up and fall on my head. I didn't do anything to tell me this is where my injury is. I had all of it down, just nerve pain, but aching in my arm. And uh, I was paying attention to my pain. I was paying attention, one, we're very, we have a very high pain tolerance. Absolutely. And also when you folk, when you train so much um, years and daily of being comfortable when you're uncomfortable. Well, that's the key to being become, good. Yes. It can become very Push difficult through. to, you know, know what kind of pain is good and what kind is something that you need to stop for. Well, if you well, stop for every little thing, you'd be in the hospital constantly. Exactly. Yeah. So what I looked at is I was actually working with someone at the time, hadn't only saw him a couple of times, but nothing was happening with my, like where I was getting therapy done. We, they were, their mind was, they did not know where the issue was. You know, I had my chiropractor going back to the books. He's like trying to figure out what's going on because it, none, nothing was making sense of where I was having pain. And he said too, he's like, yeah, I think you may need to get an MRI. You might have like a bulge disc. Well, right after we talked about that, we're coming up on, <laughs> we're getting closer to the open starting. I went and saw a, a rolfer. Um, they work with like, you know, nervous pathways and I hadn't seen his name was Brian, Brian Johnson, I think. And he's in Santa Cruz and I hadn't seen him in a long time. Um, I'd seen him before for like, I had biceps tendon pain and I went in, he, I kind of gave him the rundown of start to finish. I woke up at my parents' house, felt like this, blah, blah, blah. He immediately had me lay down. He starts feeling down my spine. And to him, my tissue felt like I may have pulled a muscle that connects my spinous processes together. And so he worked on me, no pain. Like I thought this is going to be really painful. He worked on me. That night was no shit. The first night I slept in like two months. Oh, wow. That was, I woke up and I was yeah, like, well, we so for, to me, I had scheduled an MRI. I called and canceled it because in my mind, if I had a, a, an injury and he worked on me, loosened up all the tissue, theoretically, I should be in more pain if what it's been doing is tightening down to protect the joint or protect the area. I felt better. He worked on me. I felt better. Yeah, you assume you're so, in recovery. So in yeah. my mind, I'm like, okay, we can start ramping my training back up. We're getting close to the open. And at this point, I was the strongest I had ever been. I mean, not being able to compete in 26, uh, 2017 was so hard for me. You know, I was power snatching 195. I was you know, front squatting 300 pounds. I was, you were ready. I was ready. And then I was not ready. So with, you know, straight, just getting straight to it. I basically went into the MRI. Um, my chiropractor read it to me, terrible news, also terrible bedside manner. And I did not have a very good attitude. And I've apologized so many times for telling him to fuck off. Um, I did not want to take no for an answer. I had my chiropractor tell me like, Brooke, you have to think about your quality of life. And I'm thinking like, get the fuck out of here. Get it. What? 
Like you're a chiropractor. You, yeah. don't, you don't read MRIs. Like, don't tell me how bad or good my scan is. And he was, I found out later, he was calling my husband at the time, my friends, my co- you cannot let her compete. You cannot let her train. Like that's how bad it what was. What was the diagnosis? I had a severely herniated disc in C6, C7. Um, so much so that, I mean, there was like no discs left between my vertebrae and my spinal cord had been pinched in half for who knows how long Oof. at this point. I mean, my, I had so much bad, I had so much bad, great English. I had really bad nerve damage at this point. I now realize it was nerve damage, but I couldn't text. I couldn't use my thumb, especially if it was cold outside. If it was cold, I couldn't use my hands. I couldn't spray a hairspray bottle. I couldn't open. Uh, we had like this old school pill bottle that you just like squeeze it and the top pops off. Mm-hmm. That's what I used to gauge my strength after surgery. I would get it and I would try to open it and I couldn't, I couldn't squeeze it. I couldn't, it was, it was bad, but I basically called my coach, uh, my coaches. One of my coaches is a ear, ears, nose and throat surgeon. Uh, his name is Nick Sorrell and he lives in, he's from Louisiana. And I had sent my scans to him he told me later, like he knew it was really bad. He knew there was nothing they could do, but he couldn't be the person to tell me that. And so we, he started calling to get me into, you know, the best spine, like the spine guy, the, the best spine surgeon for me up in Stanford. And I started, I worked with um, Dr. Ivan Chang and he was the best, um, not only with his skill, but his bedside manner. And still to this day, he will reach out and check on me. And this was bad. I had surgery in 2017. Because yeah, I remember you were like, I'm on the way to Stanford. And I was like, yeah, my yeah. brother is literally getting a fellowship there right now. Mm-hmm. Let me text him. And I was like, hey, Mitchell, a really, really good friend of mine is coming up there. I need you to go like check on her and just talk to her and let her know you're my brother, blah, 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 blah. Which then led into a lecture from him about the dangers of CrossFit. <laughs> I was like, hey, man, not here for your lecture. Just He's like, just, yeah, no just, problem. Just, just go see yeah. him. Yeah, so yeah, that was deserve all the forgiveness because that, what people don't think about is the mindset that got you to just the, the precipice of about to you know kick off that event and then to have such a severe that's a severe injury, very oh, yeah. severe to to just wrap that up. You could have been one snatch away from like like Kevin Ogar, yeah. yeah, Kevin yeah. Ogar dropped his snatch on his there. back, paralyzed himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had, serious. I have, I've, I mean, I've had a lot of people. And since then, I've sent people to Dr. Chang and he's actually ended up, he's moved and opened a practice, I think in like Austin, Texas. But I had someone, I mean, even after I had surgery, as soon as I found out I couldn't compete anymore that season, oh man, was that a hard day. And Dr. Chang came in and he said, he was like, you know, he, he just, he puts my scan up and he goes, all right, do you see that? And I go, yeah. He goes, you see how there's no more room from your spinal cord. My disc was so herniated that if on one of the scans where you look at it from above, it looked like a gel, like a jelly bean or, or like a kidney bean. Mm-hmm. I mean, even more than that, it was completely bent in half and just pinched in half. That's awful. And I just lost it. And he said he, you know, he took my scans to many other doctors in his office. Like, please tell me you can see something here that I'm not seeing that I'm missing. So I do not have to tell this girl that she's done. So I basically, you know, it took me a while to wrap my head to be okay with it. Um, I unfollowed everybody that did CrossFit because I couldn't see it. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't open my phone and have to just kind of like see it was the beginning of the season. You know, my coaches told me and Nick said, he's like, Brooke, as soon as you have surgery, 
you will, you will feel so much better because now you will be in a place where you're mending, right? Because up until that point, up until surgery point, it was just wasted time. Whole season's going on. I've been, I was very involved and I Looking was Looking at sad. scores that you knew yes. you would beat. Yes. Yeah. And so after surgery, I was able to, um, you know, over time really mm, grow mentally and look, find, I found a way to look at the whole experience from a much better perspective. And, you know, what I did for me that kind of helped me uh, not hate it so much is just the thought process of like, I, you know, I've been a coach. Um, I have people that are brand new that look up to me for a lot of different reasons for, you know, want my information on like technique or skills or, you know, whatever. And who really ever gets a second chance to experience firsts for a second time, you know? And that's how I had to look at it is like, I did have to accept the fact that I will never be the athlete that I was. And that was hard to accept because I was very good. <laughs> I was very strong and I was really, I put in years and I put in so much work and, um, I had to accept the fact that like, I can't keep comparing as I started to be able to work out again, I was drastically different. So I kept comparing, you know, I would do a deadlift and it's like, I can't even, I couldn't grip a, I couldn't hang from a pull-up bar. I couldn't hold my body weight on a pull-up bar. I couldn't pick up like a one, 115 pounds off the ground. Not because I couldn't, because my hands couldn't even grab the bar. So I was doing hyperbaric chamber uh, post-surgery to try and help awesome. with nerve regeneration. Dr. Chang, um, prescribed that for me. It was really a Hail Mary because with regenerating nerves, that is, you know, it just takes time. Like So a hyperbaric chamber for everybody that is listening, it's oh, yeah. extreme oxygen, right? To to force the healing mm -hmm. process to move a little quicker. Yeah. And it was that was kind of a Hail Mary of like what can we do? Because in my mind, okay, I did surgery and now I gotta when can I start training for next year? Because I need to, you know, make up time, make up lost time, basically. But I was doing that and I really just had to think about it in a way of now I can be even more relatable. Now I can, un I, I can understand um, people, like people that support me or follow me even better and they can relate to me even better, which makes me more, more valuable. It, it's, it gives me, it made me feel like, you know, when you're good at a sport or whatever you're doing, you have, you know, I mean, we got people famous for the dumbest shit nowadays. So whatever it is, um, I had a hard time, not to get into it, but I also dealt with imposter syndrome at a certain point, but I had a hard time, um, like knowing why, like, why, like, like why what, what do, what do I bring to the table for them? Mm. Like, how can I, they follow me and I am very grateful for that because I had sponsors and you know, it feels really good to have a support team that's outside of your family um, in things that you're doing. But it made me feel really good to know that there was something that could make me even more relatable to people that are just starting or to people that are, are will continue to not be very good at certain things and constantly be trying to get their first ring muscle up or constantly be trying to get, you know, their first pull up because why? Because life, because they have to, because life is crazy and it's busy. And most people don't 99.9% .9 of people do not get the luxury of training at the, like, that's your job. You know, I go to the gym. 
Now it's a difference because for me, when you go to the gym or at that time too, there's more stress put on you. Other people go to the gym and it's like, oh, you relax, you release, you exercise, you work out, you feel good. Right. And so when I'm there, it's like, oh man, it's work. It's, it's work well, and yeah. it's, it's stressful. But I think more importantly, it gives you a chance not anymore. to show people, <laughs> show people that you can overcome adversity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and then, and then from there, I think that if you look at, there are a lot of people that were games athletes that mm-hmm. didn't have the injury that you had. And just all of a sudden they got passed and like, they're still trying to grind it out and get back there. And it's like, Hey man, like there's a lot more to life. I will say <laughs> I do occasionally watch things or see, you know, stuff that's going on. And I think to myself, like, cause I don't watch it all the time. Right. I don't watch it at all. The only time I see it is like if I'm on Instagram and there's certain people I still follow, obviously, that were friends of mine. And a thought I have regularly. I can smash them. No, is this. You're still doing that? Oh, my God. Happened the other day. (laughs) Happened the other day. Yeah? Yeah, it was like they were showing, I think it was like the Rogue Invitational or something. And I always feel bad when I have that thought, but that's what I think. Like, oh, man, you're still doing that? Like, I'm over here trying to figure out what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, but like there's people that it's like, oh, my God, that person's still alive. No, no, no. Or like you're still, you're still at it. Like. So they lowered the age in the master's category. And it's like, oh my God, like they're trying to compete as a master now. Like what the, oh my, holy shit, man. Like there's so much more to life than that. That pertains to so many communities, right? So the military community, you know, which turns into other services overseas and things like that. I'll see a guy, I'm like, you should have hung it up like 10 years ago. But they, it's their identity. Yeah. They don't know how to do anything else. They don't know how to transition in the civilian world. They don't know how to start, they don't know how to start writing another chapter. Well, and they think they've been conditioned in a way, I think, not to overcome adversity, which is an awesome story, to like find another gear in life mm-hmm. and then become that inspirational story. But they get to a point where they're like, well, it's too late. This is all I've ever done. I'm no good at anything else. So even this company, like to, to change careers completely... And be successful in another realm is awesome. I yeah. love it. I think it's amazing. And a challenge. Yeah. Well, and, and at yeah. a certain point, you know, in the CrossFit, you know, realm, you're old, long in the tooth. You shouldn't be doing it because you'll get hurt. But when you're doing it in an operational sense, you could cost somebody your life because, or their life, because you, you're not keeping up. You're not like fast you did, enough. Even when you were 40, because you're 55 right. or 30 when you're 40, you know. But I think it's important that to take where, where people really find another gear they can find that sixth and seventh gears when they can take what they learn from those, whether, you know, your career or your previous military career and apply, look at the whole thing, lay out their previous career, look at what's important and how can they take those skills and transfer them to something else. Mm -hmm. And for you, it's entertaining people and and you're entertaining people still, but you're doing it in a different way. Mm -hmm. Or for you, it's like organizational skills and how things flow and how to execute things. Like how you're taking something from concept to execution, like taking the ball and getting it across the goal line. Sure. And that's something like, you know, in the civilian world, you know, a lot of people don't have that. You were able to continue entertaining people. You just found a different way to do it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm sure it, 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 I would be willing to bet that you are more relatable now than you were then. Yeah, probably. Well, I think there's also some Eckhart Tolle of like hanging up the ego of what you were over here. That was a different thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I'm yeah. not saying you had ego, but you have an identity that you're associated with. And now you're like, okay, I'm a different thing. I can still be a fit, awesome human. I'm just doing a different thing with that. Yeah. I mean, I did, uh, I've started a lot of businesses, not a lot, but a handful. I have a podcast. I started a clothing company. I helped start a skincare company. I have, I helped start, I worked 
very closely with Trifecta for a very long time from when they were first getting into CrossFit. Trifecta is like pre-made meals yes. for those listening. I don't work with them anymore. So, you know. No plug that way. Just not trying to plug anything. I'm just no, telling, no, you my, no code telling you my story. For them. No. I don't have a code. I don't have codes for you. But, you know, I always had a knack for short-term money uh, is great. Especially when you are a, you're trying to be a professional CrossFitter, right? Because um, it takes a lot of time. You don't have a lot of time for work. Well, short-term money is great, but I was always someone who thought, you know. Mailbox money's better. I'm just more like, you, you know, you may not be able to give me a lot right now or at all. I'll take equity in your company. You know, I had, I worked with Perkia, a jewelry company, and I had equity in that company. And I actually gave it back to her because... For me, I was just so busy and I didn't want to keep it um, when I couldn't be more involved. And so we have a really great relationship and I love, I love Perkia and I was there from, you know, I loved seeing, I love, I love seeing female, you know, female owned businesses. And she was a mom, single mom doing it out of her home That's and awesome. she's done incredible. So I love stuff like that. I love being a part of, you know, something that that I can get behind. And I love seeing underdogs and I love seeing people that are putting everything they have into a business. And if I can do anything to help you and be involved or talk about it, I'd love to do that. Um, but I always kind of thought to myself, like, what do I need down the road? How can you benefit me, help me down the road? If you don't see a future with me down the road, then we don't have a few, we don't have a, we're not working together. I never wanted to work with anybody who I didn't feel like I wanted them to see a bigger future for myself than I could, for me, than I could see for myself. Right. And if you, if they didn't have that and they weren't stoked to work with me and pumped to do, to create with me, then I don't want to be around people that are just going to give me a little bit of money and tell me to post a thing and give me a code, but don't want to work with me because I am, I am a visionary. I have a lot of ideas all the time. Um, you want partnerships, not sponsorships. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm now down to where I don't have, I don't, I don't have a sponsorship. I think I do forget things, but I'm pretty sure I do not have one sponsor that I work with currently. I'm not proud of that. I, um, you know, over time I weeded out sponsors because, you know, back in the day, you had people that just had like laundry lists of sponsors. And it's NASCAR. like, and like for me getting into it, it's like, oh man, I mean, that's just, it's just one more person that needs something from you. And so that became very stressful for me because I was doing CrossFit to put my head down and grind and work. I wasn't trying to be an influencer. And you know, this is all pre-influencers. Now you have influencers. And that's one thing that gets difficult for me with being, I have influence, but like being an influencer it's not a skill that I have, you know, you have people that are, you know, kids coming out of high school, just like making content and on their phone and doing this constantly. It's constantly a show. And for me, I never really it changed, did that or learned it. I just, I just did what I did. And I was always in the gym. stayed organic. Yeah. You always did Brooke stuff. And that's, what's difficult now, not being in the gym yeah. or competing because it's like, I'll be at the home at my house. It's like, well, 
I should get on my story. You know, I should get on Instagram. I'm like, but what am I going to say? <laughs> hey guys, here I am uh, again on the couch. Um, I went for a little bit of a run, but I didn't, couldn't show that to you because I was running and it was really hot and sweaty outside. And now I'm going to uh, call my mom and, you know, uh, see what's for dinner. So yeah, that's the whole, my day. <laughs> the whole influencer model, that's a, that's a vanity metric, likes mm-hmm. and follows and all that stuff. And it's, it doesn't translate. So web two, which was, you know, how much, what could companies extract from their consumer? And so now you hear this, or you hear people talking about Web3. And Web3, what we're, what's happening with Web3 is what now the consumer is demanding that the businesses provide, what's the value proposition? It's how much, what type of uh, interaction and positive interaction can you, what, what value can you provide the consumer? So like I, I say this all the time and we work with people that, I don't think they're influencers, but, you know, they're subject matter experts or subject matter enthusiasts in their field. And I always kind of fall back on like, oh, so you're an Instagram influencer. Like that, that's your job. That's, 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 that, that, that's not scalable. No. And that's not a longstanding full-time career. It's not a full-time job. It's a, it's a flash in the pan. When people want that and you have like little like kids and high school kids that all they, they, all they want to do is go viral. You know, and there are people, clearly, we've seen it, we still see it every day, new people that were literally ha- um, probably very cool, but don't really bring much to the table in terms of experience or value for people that you right. can teach or or show or share your life experiences with. It, it really was just like you did a video, it was crazy funny, so many people loved it, and mm. now you have, you know, now you're on America's Got Talent or something. Yeah. And, and ultimately, and that, none of that happen. means, but none it, of that means anything. No, and it does happen. But the thing about it is, like, we see it because we have so much, you know, content and media being shoved down our throat twenty four seven, and everybody's on their phone on Instagram twenty four seven. That you now have that's what kids, that's what they want, that's what they're going to do. They but the, per, the percentage of people that are going to become, you know, uber famous from a video that they made, that is not something that anyone can really recreate like it's, it's, it's it a, does happen but it's not it's a statistical anomaly yes so james gene who does archery trick sh- trick shots for us mm-hmm. i posted a video on of his on our outdoor page uh on november 27th that video got 46 million views holy shit that's awesome yeah that was back in november nothing's changed yeah. not for us not for him mm-hmm Still a great guy. Still po- make does amazing stuff with with his bow trick shots. We post his stuff all the time, but like th- he went viral um, on that video, and he's been on America's Got Talent and all that stuff before that. Mm-hmm. But like, it's not a viable thing. It's 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 a it's it's a goal or a wish for people that involves timing that they have no control over and a lot of luck. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean anything. Nope. And that's, and, 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 and I've been, we've been doing the Instagram thing, social media for a long time. And I'm telling you right now, social media sucks. It does. It sucks. It's, 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 it's it so sucks. sucky. It's bad. It's bad. It's terrible. There's like, I don't, there's nothing no, I want to see. It is so bad. You know, um, there, um, there are small, there are, there are valuable things in there. You know, like I, I watch tons of home organizing and like or cleaning hacks or videos. You know, I watch a lot of really great cooking stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And I love watching all the Traeger stuff and whatever they're barbecuing or whatever people are doing. But other than that, I feel like 
you've, we've seen it all, yeah, you and, know, and, and it's, which is scary because if people are like, oh, well, you haven't seen everything. I don't think I want to see what's coming up next. No, no, I don't want to know what's next. I don't care. No. It's not going to be good. It's going to be no, bad. It's going to be bad. Yeah, it's going to be I really bad. I'm constantly irritated by it and I've got children and it influences them a great bit. And I try to throttle all that back mm. and create reality. As an example, my son plays guitar. When he first started playing guitar, what does he do? He looks up eight-year-old's guitar and he sees some kid just ripping on a mm. guitar. He gets in, practices, does his thing, takes takes his lesson, and he gets discouraged. And I, he's like, well, I'm not that good. I go, that kid probably played since he was four. His dad's probably a professional musician. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he's been grinding, and now he has a skill. So it gives a false sense of, like, I can do this. Also, when people just scroll and scroll and scroll and sit on the couch and do it, they're living vicariously through somebody else doing cool shit, and it appeals everything in our brain because we see it. what appears to be cool shit. shit. What appears to be cool shit. True. We, we've had conversations like that where, um, you know, a lot of videos that we see, I bet if you were there and not watching the video, it would not seem nearly as cool. No, hell no. It's a clip. You can it's do a clip amazing of things yeah. with, with, with a camera mm-hmm. and angles and lighting and, and music and slow-mo and all this stuff. And uh, But real life, it's not like that. And, and you know what? I, I understand and I'm very grateful for, um, very grateful for all the people that f- have followed me and supported me through the years. And it has given me, it's aided in me having opportunities, things like starting clothing, you know, getting, trying that out, doing that, doing skincare. Um, getting on a movie. Being in a movie. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, starting a training program with my friend, Jacob Hutton, naked training program. If you guys don't already follow it, you probably should check naked. it out. Naked training program naked training dot app um but those are things those are they are a product of all those people and of course my hard work dedication my knack for business my creativity obviously all the things that i have too but i always would you know i i always found it funny when i would see i don't back in the day i'd see some competitors that kind of were kind of shitty towards mm. their fans you know, and I just always thought to myself, like, you're like, we work out, you know, like we work out for time. It's exercise. Yeah. It's exercise. And it is amazing. It's, inc- we do a lot of crazy, cool stuff, crazy cool in terms of just ability to move certain things. Um, but we're cool because of them. Like this is a sport because of them. You're nothing without them. We're nothing without them. Absolutely. And so yep. I'm extremely grateful for people that still follow me and have followed me for a very long time. And... You know, I think that it's more people if they haven't thought about it. I'm sure a lot of people that are influencers or, you know, still competing CrossFit and have sponsors um, have thought about it, but it is terrifying, you know, and I talk about it with my, you know, my parents sometimes. I, a while back, I had to, I called my dad and I was like, hey, um, I should ask you a question. So if everything falls apart for me and nobody likes me anymore, I have no popularity. And I'm, and I'm, it just, everything's gone and nobody cares about me anymore. Can I move home? And he said, yeah. And I was like, okay, full send. I'll try out, you know, try everything. Cause it really is like, you can land some great deals and still have influence and still be big. But for instance, like going through COVID, you know, you had a lot of brands and companies that had to scale back on a lot of things because 
you know, shutdowns and, you know, you have people that are not working with companies anymore happen to me or sponsorships are changing. And plus then you have the whole, you know, how sponsorship looks. And like you said, like web two, I mean, web three, that's changing. The thing about that is as fast as you got the paycheck, it can be gone just as fast. And that terrifies me, you know, well, it's not, it's not a transferable skill. Exactly. It's like you might... Because beauty is fleeting. Yep. And a lot of people don't realize that, like, you know, you, this is one of the things that I absolutely hate about social media. I call it chasing the dragon. So you'll get a girl... Say it's like an invisible race. We're, yeah. we're on an invisible race. Yeah, you go, but you get, like, females. And they're like, oh, fishing or hunting. And they'll start fishing. And they'll start taking photos with fish. And the clothes start coming off or they get smaller Mm -hmm. and smaller. There's a little more skin here and a little more ass here. And then eventually it's a string thong. And it's just like, that ain't it. That ain't, that ain't the answer because one, the internet is forever. Mm -hmm. And eventually at some point you're going to have to get a real job or start a company or do something because, you know, like a, a lot of those, you know, CrossFitters, um, that was their life. And then they met a girl and they got engaged and then she got pregnant and they had a kid and that's cool. But kids are expensive mm-hmm. and like little supplement company sponsorships and stuff don't pay the bills. So like they just, it, 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 it's not scalable. It won't last forever. Yeah. And like, that's one of the, the things about social media that just drives me crazy is that it's a instantaneous gratification. And that's one of the things that we see with today's generation is like, they want stuff now. Mm-hmm. If they don't want to wait. Yeah. It's in any information, any news, it, I call it 30 seconds or less. You see something, you're like, well, that's fact. Swipe. Yeah. And you yep. look at the next thing. I'm like, wait, well, you don't have to be, yeah, you don't have to be right. You just got to be first now. Yeah. That's all that matters. Like who's going to do the next stupid thing or the next dumb trick or it's absurd. What do you got coming up? What are you excited about? Um, well, let me think. Uh, coming up, what I'm doing here right now, actually, um, I am. I have a hard time saying I'm doing. I am doing this because I do want to, but actually, I'll just say it. And I'll explain it. So I am getting into the tactical games. All right, good for you. Um, you're learning. Yeah. No, that's good because yes. you're learning a new skill. Yes. That's cool. That's cool. So, and here's the thing. Here's the thing about it. I'm at a point where I actually don't even know. Like, if you ask me, like, when are you going to compete? I would tell you, well, I'd say two things. I'd say, one, I'm not going to compete until I can win. But really, for me, I so I, I got connected with Kirk Homer, and I am working with him. This is the first time we were, we were working together on marksmanship and just being a really good, you know, shooter. And I've grown up around guns, you know, at least thank God people aren't going to come for me on this podcast. Um, but I, my family, lots of guns, hunting, um, big hunting family, ranching. Are you, are you a good yes. shot? Pretty good. It's a female. Yeah. Female is They're always good. better. But I am, so I'm working with Kirk and yeah, yeah. I have, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, I haven't told a lot of people because again, the first thing I told Kirk, because he asked me, we're texting, he said, so when do you want, like, what competition are you, are you wanting to do? And I said, well, let me... I actually almost should read this text I sent him. It's probably pretty funny. And if it's only funny to me, or maybe I say some stuff that people might not like, you guys can keep it in or take it out. Okay. I texted Kirk, me trying to explain like what I was wanting out of this. Okay. Okay. This is going to be good. What's the objective? What were we working on here? Initial contact. (laughs) This was when we were first talking. Okay. 
And I do have to scroll back a good amount. And I honestly, I did not know how he was going to react. So Kirk Homer, tactical yes. athletes, 40 plus, just took first. Yeah. Just took first. Works for Black Rifle. Works for Black Rifle. We should Former Green Beret. Yeah, I was going to say, he yep. was a Green, Be- Green Beret. So. Yep. Yeah, with, uh, with, with, with Evan and uh, Scott Bollinger, who here at Black Rifle. Um, okay, here it is. So, you know, we were, we were connected and he gave me just a little bit of a brief history. Should I just read his brief his history? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So in short, basically, he said, if you don't mind, I'd like to give you a tiny bit of an idea of who I am. Here we go. He said, I am a husband and father. I spent 22 years in the military, most in special forces. I have been instructing firearms and marksmanship for over 22 years now. I've competed in the tactical game since 2020 and have seven podium finishes in the three different divisions. I have also coached a number of athletes in the tactical games who have been pretty serious competitors. My training philosophy is that everybody is different. Therefore, the way they need to learn is different. I help people find their personal right. Also, I am more of a resource than just a good shooting coach. I can help you learn quickly. Um, to compete at the highest level in the tactical, tactical games. This is what I, I said. Oh, go ahead. I wanted to make fun of it, but he said it so eloquently. Yeah. I, I can't do it. I yeah. can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. It's so good. That's great. Yeah. I said, with that one. I said, we could probably make fun of what I said. <laughs> I said, I have some experience shooting pistols and rifles, but I am by no means, I am by no means intermediate <laughs> advanced. I know, I know I will be, um, I know I will be with little training. I'm a very fast learner. The competition side of it sounds very exciting to me, but also I just want to be very proficient in tactical training. I said, this might sound crazy, but I want to be extremely capable of protecting myself and my family if and when this country falls apart. And that's what I said. I like that's it. Awesome. I like and, that. Approved. And we talked about it. We, we got to end it on that. And thanks for tuning in. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. That's, you know, when we kind of talked, chatted a little bit, but I, I let him know, like, I, I like competition, you know, I am not the athlete that I was. Obviously, I'm I'm 32. I'm turning 33 in August. I love ex- I love staying fit. Um, and without even really getting into it, I you know I mentioned back a little bit ago about you know CrossFit was going. There was a point where they were going through some weird shit, and it was really it was right after I was coming back from my spinal fusion, and I came out of that. And I had some shoulder stuff. I had a lot of atrophy, hap- atrophy happen. I have tearing, whatever. And so I was planning on continuing to train mm-hmm. and like just get back where I was. But that's not what happened. I was dealing with my shoulders. I ended up getting, trying to figure out what I was going to do. Am I going to get surgery? Am I going to do stem cells? And then it almost seemed like we didn't know if there was even going to be another a season for 2019. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you know, I had... I'd been through a lot. I didn't have a lot of injuries from my competition. That was my one injury. And I do say, I think that my body stayed so healthy because of my background in dance and sports and things, but definitely dance. Tons of I mean, you do dance. everything both sides. You're mm-hmm. moving in all planes, right? You're not just going forward. You're not just running. You're not just going forward. You're doing everything. So I was very, very healthy. Um, but I had kind of decided after the things I had been through, I was thinking, you know, I want to be able to, I'm young. I want to be able to play new sports, try new activities and learn new skills and be good at them. And I didn't, I felt like at that point in my life, um, I didn't think that just potentially maybe getting back to the CrossFit games was worth the amount of time or years that I would be losing. I would lose, mm-hmm. you know, cause even when I was competing, just stopping for a minute and having the realization of like, okay, wow, years are just going by like this because we do the same thing every day. 
my schedule, my entire year was the same every year. We knew when the season was. And then we had holidays. But outside of that, I was in a gym. Yeah, but our lives, but every year of the season, every, it got longer. And then it became, there was no downtime. It yeah. was it was awesome. It was worth it. It was super in. cool. But over time, it was changing. And so like with all things considered, you know, the ups and downs of the business side of CrossFit. Um, and then I had been through some stuff. For, that, for me to go into 2019 and everyone kind of feeling like, are we going to have a season? Are we not going to have a season? Like, what's going on? I finally was like, well, I'm not going to compete this year because I just want to heal up and I don't want to push myself to potentially being, you know, injured when like I was dealing with some shoulder stuff for a season that may not even happen. And then that just kind of rolled on into like, I just never... I, you know, I didn't want to say I was done competing because that just feels too, it's too official. I didn't want to like say it and then feel like I I'm coming I, out I, of retirement. I, like yeah, yeah, like like I I you know I shut it off for myself. But getting into the tactical games, like obviously I it I feel like I've got this new sort of motivation that I haven't had in a while. And this past year too, I've been dealing with a lot of like health stuff and been working with my, like doing blood work and my hormones and um, neurotransmitters. I've been kind of a mess. So I am in a much better place right now, but I haven't really been super motivated to be in the gym and kill myself, you know? Because for me, it's like, why? Like, what am I doing it for? Yeah. When I was competing, that's why I did it. That's why I showed up every day. And that's why I worked so hard. That's why I did two-a-days. That's why I suffered through things and I enjoyed it, even though I absolutely hated it. You know, but when you're not, for me, it was like, well, maybe it's that difficulty when someone's trying to transition from a career or, you know, a, a one part of their life into something new. It can be very difficult to know, I think one, a to allow yourself to do it. Mm. And two, to be like a you know a different version of you when you loved you loved you when you were doing xyz yeah. as well you know and i loved i loved competing and i loved doing crossfit and doing all that but i really was at a point where i was like i got to choose health over vanity over a you know ego, the big yeah. game once a year mm -hmm. and and i did that and now i'm like you know i've i started yeah, my, i've got some friends that have gotten into tactical games i heard about it years ago um, but doesn't I Jacob Hutton do it? No, Hutton doesn't. Hepner. Hepner. Yeah, and little... Jared Stevens just got into it too. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I feel like, like you have this competitive nature just or at your core, and now you have something new, so it's yeah. interesting, and it plays off of all the strengths that you've had through your career and otherwise, and now, and you're the perfect fit for that. So yeah. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. But it's also it. super great. cool to learn new skills. Exactly. At, at, the, at the ripe old age of 32. Yeah. I mean, we've got one foot in the grave over here, folks. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it's super rad to learn new skills later in life. And that's what I, that's what, like what I told Kirk. It's like, that is, you know, I'm not like itching and like chomping at the bit to like get back on the competition floor. Like that's not why I'm doing it. Um I have been enjoying the fact, like even when I watch some of the, you know, even getting all my gear, making sure I have everything, talking to Kirk and like stuff we did today, it, it, there's definitely a fire burning inside me that I think that, you know, maybe it won't be long from now that I'll be all, you know, all in wanting to compete. But before really, you go dumping a bunch don't... of cash into gear, yeah, shoot me a text. Tell me what you need. Okay. I'll get it for you. <laughs> it's a, it's a simple text message. For yeah. me. like, I, mean, what I have, you know, I, I have a. It's, a, it's an expensive hobby and I am into it. Yeah. Do you have a gun? Yes. 
What do you have? Um, I got Cobalt Kinetics Gen 1 rifle. Mm-hmm. Shot that today for the first time. I have, I have, uh, I have my concealed carry. Am I allowed to say that on here? Yeah, of course. Of, okay. of, yes. Well, yeah. I have my, and so I got um, a Sig three six five XL. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, Great and then pistol. I just, and then I just got before we drove up here, um, the Sig three twenty X five. Do you have a shotgun? Do you don't use shotguns in that? You don't use them in that, but we do have shotguns at home. I do love shooting skeet. Okay. That is fun. I'll get you a shotgun. I'll get you a shotgun for three gun because that's another thing you want to look into. Like three gun. Yeah. So that's if you're right. gonna, you just it's just any getting proficient with any firearm, regardless of what it is, is a, it will transfer. I mean, today we were working. Um, I mean, we we zeroed in my optic. I mean, so that was really fun for me to like learn all that too. And what's your optic? What are you shooting? Um, I got the. Uh, I think it's like a newer version of it, but the Strike um, Vor- uh, Vortex Strike Eagle uh, first focal plane. Well, we'll, I'll, well, you're gonna help I'm, me there I'm too. Gonna re- we're gonna have a replacement there uh, within the week. <laughs> that, <yeah. laughs> no, no, no offense, but like I'm gonna get you a good optic. I think optics probably one of the most important things. Well, that's, I, that's something that Kirk kind of told me. He said, you know, at a certain point, you'll you'll hear a lot of guys will tell you, like, spend your money on the glass yeah. and not on the gun. The one thing I cannot help you with is ammo. I can't even help myself with ammo. Yeah. <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy. I know, I, hey, I know a lot of guys. I just, but it's pretty, it's, it's, that's tough. But yeah, like any gear you need, any stuff like that, like holsters. Yeah. Just shoot me a text. Be like, hey, this is what I need. Kirk, Kirk made my my belt today before we came over here. Got my first belt. Made it from hand, yeah. from scratch. He he sewed it. Kirk, such a wonderful person. This is just the underbelt. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. So for those, you know, everyone knows underbelt, overbelt. So she's putting her other belt on the outside. Velcro keeps it in place when you're running around doing awesome yeah. shit. Yeah, it's so fun. But yeah, I'm. I am so far really enjoying. I mean, I was only done one day. Well, it's you know? just so awesome. So when you when you start training, and I know you're going to compete. I don't even. I, I mean, the, I think here's the. I think that what I do is I tread lightly with my claims yeah. when I talk to people because it's not just mm, because I've come from you know competing in CrossFit. So I don't want to just jump in or or tell people like, oh yeah, I'm I'm getting into tactical games. Yeah. Watch out. But. I do, in fact, want that to be the effect and not because I'm telling people, but because they're watching me out, they're competing. And when I'm ready to do that and show up, I will compete. If I'm not, I'm not just going to compete to compete. (coughs) I just want, I want the skills. Like that excites me. Watching some of the videos or just watching Kirk doing all of the mag changes. And it's like, it's like art to me. Like I am, I love movement. That's one thing I, I think dance and my, my whole background in dance aided me huge, helped me a ton in being good at CrossFit. I mean, I didn't have an Olympic lifting coach. You know, I went to a CrossFit class. They kind of taught you how to snatch. And then I just watched videos and that's how I learned. Mm -hmm. And I think that I look at, you know, I look at movement in a gym or people exercising or like jujitsu. I mean, if my shoulders were healthier, I would love to get into doing like jujitsu and, and things like that, but I wouldn't, it would not be smart for me, but it's such, it's such a, like a dance. Like it's a, it's like choreography watching you it's guys be so proficient and fast 100% and smooth. hundred percent choreography. Yeah. And let me say this, <clears throat> watching guys like uh, Kevin or Kurt or Evan shoot mm-hmm. that, years, decades of repetition over and over and over and over and over. So my one piece of advice on that, 
do it right and do it slowly mm-hmm. and the speed will come because mm-hmm. everyone, when they start getting into that stuff, they want to look super cool and fast and plow, plow, bang, 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 trade mags real quick and do all these like high speed drills and shit. No, don't do that. Do it slow over and over. Do it correctly. Rep after rep after rep. Correctly, correctly, correctly. The speed will come. Yeah. So the reason why I think you'll compete and the reason mm-hmm. why I competed, I worked overseas, slung guns for a living. That was my deal is because you can train, you can shoot, you can go head to head, but until you're actually competing, competing, and that buzzer becomes the energy that you're feeling, like all of a sudden the timer's about to go off and you're like, oh, I got that little itch. It's about to go down. And it's different than just running the drills, you know, with Kirk on the range. Mm -hmm. So you want that stress. I like that stress because I want to see what's going to happen, whether your intent is to protect your family so that you can make sure that you can skin that smoke wagon and dump some dude on your porch, breaking in your house or fucking with your family. You got to prove it in competition to make sure that you can do it under real life stress. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love it. Yeah. And also like when you're new to guns and stuff, like, you know, carrying around and stuff, like carry the gun. Yeah. Like literally carry the gun. Like you got to get comfortable with the tool having it on your hip and stuff. And like, it's like, it's the law of 10,000 reps, you know, like to be an expert, you got to do something 10,000 times. Kirk's going to yeah. tell you, but you got to dry fire. It's, we we talked about that. Day. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. Um, doing dry fire. And we were also talked to him about, you know, you know, an idea of like, what, what should this look like daily, like training wise. Mm-hmm. And so what we've, what we're at, we're starting at is 20 minutes a day of doing dry fire and doing like even just, you know, lifting my rifle up to position, mm-hmm. up into my my work zone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Workspace. Um, workspace yeah. um, over and over and over again. And then he said 20 minutes because it's very hard to have the amount of focus that you need for much longer than that. So I'm starting there, 20 minutes a day, Perfect. dry fire, practicing all the... Quality reps. Yeah. yeah. It's just like CrossFit. Do it right, you know. <laughs> I will tell you, it's... um. It's not going to keep me from competing in the tactical games, but it would make me want to not compete in the tactical games because I just don't want to be just another CrossFitter switching over to a, like a new sport. Yeah, but you've been out of the space for so like I don't think people, I think people look at you differently. I don't think like, oh yeah, she was a, she was a CrossFitter. It's like, no, it's Brooke. Yeah. It's Brooke. Yeah. That's how Melissa, my girlfriend's a huge fan. Like, I'm a huge fan. We've been friends a long time. But, like, I don't view you as that. I view that that's part of your past. Yeah. You know? And I don't look at Kevin as a PJ. Like, Kevin's a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. I don't like, oh, yeah, he's a PJ. It's like, yeah, it was a cool thing he did. But Kevin's a good dude and Kevin's a good guy. And I don't think you have to worry about that. I promise. I don't, that's not something you need to concern yourself. Don't ever let, don't ever let the, don't ever let a hypothesis get in the way of doing something. Yeah. Because you have no idea. If someone's going to say that, no one's going to say that. And if they do, fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah. Or, but conversely, it's the same thing. I mean, I'm, I'm a fag, former action guy. Not to, <laughs> not to be offensive to anybody. Right. But that's saying like, oh, that fag is 41 and trying to get in good enough shape to go compete. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, well. But other than that, um, I am filming a movie mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks. Um, not the whole, not the whole movie. In fact, people ask, what is it? What are you doing? It's like, well, I, I know it's not the answer that you want, but I don't even really know. 
I know that I've sent my, my measurements. I know that I am shooting for two days and I know that I am, am a gladiator of some sort. Hell yeah. I don't think that we could even try and compare the even what we think gladiator means because all these different sci-fi movies or things, um, action. I mean, it really could be anything, but I am doing that two day shoot so far. Um, which is exciting. It's nothing, it's nothing big, but I get to, I'm going to work with Zack Snyder again. So I'm excited about that. Cause I haven't, no, I don't really, so haven't been doing movies other than that. I am, you know, just working a ton with naked training and we just finished our second, um, retreat, which was so fun. We had a girl over from, uh, West Germany. We had a guy over from Spain and it was an incredible experience and we're very we're looking forward to doing our next one and other than that i actually have started working with um i partnered with a few people and we have launched regenerative pastures and you know really focusing on and this is a huge passion project of mine um evan demarco aj richards if any of you guys know those names but aj you know a couple of years ago brought this to me uh, he's from Southern Utah, just like me. His family were—they settled the area, just like mine, and they've been ranching and running cows for a very, very long time. And so we were—you know—he kind of talked to me about uh, regenerative ranching and going down the rabbit hole of that. And it kind of took a—was on the back burner. And he found—you know—a couple people that are incredible partners and really got behind the mission. And the mission is to change, you know, make some big changes. One primarily being that people, we have more than enough food to feed people. Um, getting more people to eat regionally, keep more ranches in business and get more people to stop ordering beef from overseas. Um, you know, there are a lot of subscription models for food. I mean, all kinds, whether it's you, you know, ordering from someone who you pick, they send you all the ingredients, they send you the recipe and you make it, or you get a pre-made thing or they're frozen or they're never frozen or whatever it is. But they also have a lot of different options for, for meat, right? And a lot of those, they get their beef from New Zealand, from, you know, other countries, but not from here. And we have so many ranchers um, that deserve money. They deserve business instead of what's going on right now with um, ranches. And I, my dad has retired from construction and we ranch. And that, just that way of life has always been, I mean, that's what it's been for me my whole life. It's been ingrained in me and... I don't, I, I, if I can do anything in helping change the way, you know, just the market functions with the price of beef, um, how we can keep, we really can keep more families, families that have like generations, generations and generations of ranching that you're seeing these ranches just being, just closing, shutting down. And a lot of, a lot of reasons that I am not qualified or educated enough to really explain to anyone on this podcast, but with regenerative pastures, a big push is there's a whole education side. So, um, people that are ranching that maybe aren't following a regenerative protocol, it is more work. Um, but the positive about that is getting the land to basically regenerate faster. So you're, you're getting, you're 
you know, you're doing things healthy. It's cre- it's creating healthy soil. It's creating um, more of a healthy product for you to eat. And it just takes a little bit more time. So the more we can get, you know, ranchers to be willing to adopt some of these um, practices, practices, then within that, them also being able to create business through Regen, through their beef being um, offered in our subscription model, but also, you know, it's guaranteed money. Anyone who is familiar with taking a cow or whatever animal to a butcher, I mean, the price is constantly going up and down and you have a middleman. The middleman is the person that owns the processing facility. You know, they're going to charge you whatever they want to charge you. Not only that, there's there's not great quality control. I mean, I'm sure there are some butchers that there is, but what we've experienced and my dad's experience, even just with like elk um, here out in Utah... A lot of places are shutting down. You're having to drive further to go and take your take your animal in to get it processed. So you can, you know, people that do hunt or do cows to feed themselves versus going to a grocery store. But it's it's difficult. And with that, it really, I mean, ranchers, if you can even just imagine, or you guys know, you know, you know, so much work. I mean, the the amount of money they can make off of their product is so much less than what it should be. And a big goal for us is being able to change that because having more control, um, owning processing plants. So there's not a middleman where a rancher is going to take their beef there. There's less waste. Less waste, guaranteed business. Mm -hmm. And we are just starting out, but I'm very excited about it. And that is new. I love this. I live next to, in Colorado, before I moved, I live next to a ranch exactly like that. And one of my training partners in jujitsu worked there. He was working there to learn how to do it, to open his own. What ranch? I mean, what? Where in Colorado? Colorado Springs. Okay. It was off of uh, 83. Okay. Anyways, um, that, they used the practice of rotating the yep. land and rotating the cat. And it was more work. It was more intensive, but it was able to allow the land to feed the animal more yep. effectively. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, it's a higher quality of beef, too. So yeah. like Mountain Primal oh in Basalt, Colorado, that's what they do. So yeah, it's awesome. Good for you. Yeah, and it, and it, obviously it is tough in terms of you know if people are really used to just eating hamburger or steak, or whatever from the grocery store or whatever it is that has tons of marbling or has definitely used different steroids or things or in finished on feedlots instead yeah, of finished and, in yeah, pastures. Yeah, so. yes, finished on feedlots and all that. It is different to people experience it differently, but eating eating. Uh, Grass-fed, free-range, really healthy, good meat tastes different. Eat it once. Yep. Eat it once. The taste and quality. Eat it one time. Buy an expensive piece of meat from a local butcher shop or a local rancher, and I promise you, you won't be shopping at Piggly Wiggly anymore for your, no. for your no. steaks. Yeah. I mean, we experienced it last night, even though Jericho did a great job cooking them. <laughs> those were, those those were rough, steaks, yeah. But the meat was Yeah, I guess for me, that is the, that's the, new, the newest thing that I'm doing, and it's just starting out, and I'm just as motivated for that as I am about getting into the tactical games. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, well, I really appreciate you coming out, especially after a long ass training day. It is actually, <laughs> in fact, pretty late in the day. Yeah. yeah. Where can, so where really can people find you? Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram. At Which we Bro- talk yeah, shit about earlier. At Brookends. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can all, I, I'm mostly, I guess on Instagram, I do have a YouTube channel. I'm getting it going again. I moved from California, sold my house in California, moved back to Utah. And I took a break from doing content for YouTube because got to find a new videographer, but it's just uh, my name on, on YouTube as well. And then it makes ends 
It's a hashtag. You can type that in there. And other than that, I have a podcast. Not for everybody. Just going to like put that out there. Not for everybody. People tend to get offended pretty easily. And um, we, it's, it's called Between the Reps with Brooke and Gina. Mm. And we've been doing it for a long time now. In fact, I can't even believe we're still doing it. Um, we kind of folk, we just talk about anything and everything. It really is a very casual conversation, super mm, honest. And there is no topic that we won't touch on. Oh, sorry. We, we stay away from like, you know, anything that's going to get people riled up for uh, no reason in particular. We don't do politics. Okay. That's pretty much yeah, it. Right. Politics. Cause it's just no point. We're not, we're, we're not the type of people you want to get political information from, right. you know, but we do talk about a lot of topics that can be very taboo for women, you know, things that every that we experience, we usually start out the podcast, um, by catching up with each other because I don't live in California anymore and talking about like different experiences, maybe embarrassing ones that you wouldn't really share with a lot of people. Well, me and Gina share everything. In fact, you know, um, I don't know why this is the podcast that came to mind, but you know, I told the story on a past podcast about how I came back from Mexico and I shit my pants in the Museum of Natural History. So I'm into that, that happened. Was that there happened. coffee? Was there that coffee happened. involved? <laughs> <laughs> and I think, oh, and then the last podcast I just did with Gina, she was just in New Orleans and they were trying to fly home. They were there for a friend's birthday and they got stuck in Dallas, American Airlines. Mm. The absolute worst. They, 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 they terrible. Terrible. Um, anyways, they made the best of it. They went to dinner and then Gina let me know that they went and had Indian food. She never had Indian food before and she was up all night on the toilet and she said, you know, she will never have Indian food again. So she told that story as well. You know, some people might be like, that is so disgusting and not ladylike. And that's that, it. you know, that could be yeah. true. But all we're talking about is real life stuff that we're just experienced or we are going to experience. And then we go back and forth. And not only that, but she is 52. And so we have this age difference where we get, it's very fun because there's things that she's gone through that I haven't, that we have, you know, she, she warns me about, you know, she talks to me about certain things like, don't do that, do this, wear sunscreen, you know, put a hat on, don't go, go out, don't go out in the sun without a hat on. And I do not know how we're still doing it. I really don't. And What's the name of it? Between the Reps? Between the Reps. And we have been doing it for three years now, one oh. episode a week. And it is very difficult. It's tough. And I don't live there anymore. So we've been doing all these ones on Zoom lately. Uh -huh. And we just make it work because people really love it. Like we have listeners that email in all the time. And that's what reminds us why we're still doing right. it. And, so and that's Brooke why Ants, we still do it. Brooke Ants on Instagram. Hashtag is it makes sense. Between the Reps podcast. Nakedtraining.app. Nakedtraining.app. And, and there you guys, go. check out Regenerative Pastures because we're literally changing the world, not only for, you know, the ranchers and farmers that deserve, you know, a, a great uh, financial situation or consistent, <laughs> consistent good finances, but also... Higher quality meat. Higher quality meat. And then, and then working on creating more healthy soil. And hopefully in the areas of the United States that have been ruined by, you know, trying to mass produce. Well, thank yeah. you. And thank you ahead of time for the shit story. Oh, I'm yeah. going to listen to tonight. Right. Well, there are some good ones in there. It's in my That concludes today's training. Any questions? <laughs> Woo! Drum titties, boy!